Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Jerron Paxton. We recorded this back in July in Port Townsend, Washington. Get Up in the Cool is listener-supported. You can chip in at patreon.com slash getupinthecool if you want to make sure I can keep this up every week. I left a link in the show notes. Thanks. Stick around afterwards, and I'll tell you how to keep up with Jerron Paxton. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. That's the best you're gonna get out of me tonight. I hope you're good with that. <laughs> oh, clamming at the same time. Clams. Dangerous. Parallel clams. Jerron <laughs> Paxton, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. It is good to be up in the cool. Yeah. Welcome to Raisin Country. <laughs> uh, I I can't. I've been chasing you around all week. You're a chaser? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've had, I've been internet buds with you for quite a while. And uh, this is the first time that we've met. And I've just had such a fun time hanging out with you this week. And uh, I can't believe we actually have some microphones up. But I was fully prepared to like, I'm blocking off this space for Jerron. If it doesn't happen, that's fine because we got to hang out and it was special. So this is all, this is all gravy as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I like gravy. Yeah. Gravy is my middle name. <laughs> Jerron Gravy Paxton. Brown gravy. Yeah. You were just saying no white gravy growing up. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, that is uh, not of my culture. I, when you said that, there was like a room full of white folks sort of being like but 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 with sausage right but white but white gravy though right they like to you like short-circuited their brains right, yeah right. it's like when you tell southern people you're a vegetarian 
Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like, oh, you can eat around for <laughs> You just eat the fat? Like, <laughs> do you have the bones? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. You ain't got to eat the ham, yeah. Mark. We'll just eat the collard greens, you know? Just a little bit. Yeah. Bacon, too? Yeah. yeah that's the favorite one. Bacon, too? too. <laughs> uh, what was that tune we, we played? That was the Sunflower Breakdown by Mr. Joe Morley. What I think it is, is one of the many imitations of Horace Weston's Great Mind Jig, which was a very popular mm. um, composed, I think, 1883 or something like What do you mean when you say imitation? You mean like, this is the same tune, or it's just like, I'm going to hop on like the vibe of this tune? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Horace Weston wrote a bunch of great tunes. A lot of them, well, he wrote one tune. And even he himself kind of capitalized on his own success and made many tunes that sound just like his big hit. Yeah. And I think uh, a, lot of, a lot of other people got, got a hold to the same vibe. It's that old, old-timey algorithm, music industry at work, you know? I, you know, I don't even know if it's necessarily the music industry because it was just popular because folk liked it, you know? It yeah. Got, it could be a little industrious, but it's, you know, people like it, so it gets to be a bit fun. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate the distinction that you're making because... Wait, what distinction? Well, between, like, is, just, is this folk music or is this pop music? Uh, and I'm may, maybe setting up this, like... I, I had, a, like, a, an automatic cynical response. You know, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, it's the algorithm. And, you know, it's like what's going to sell and you're like well maybe just people liked it I, I feel like often when i'm talking about old time my concepts of old time my theory of old time music uh what this week talking with you or uh on online discourse about this kind mm -hmm. of thing you're pretty quick to like jump in and be like i don't know about that I don't know about your your distinctions between you know folk and pop and and all of these things and what old time actually means. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, part of it, part of it is my natural curmudgeonly sure. nature, and uh, I say curmudgeonly, but I, you know, I'm one of these people that kind of second guesses themselves, mm. and whenever I meet somebody that's too sure of themselves, it throws up great big red red because well, it's like. Let me make sure that you're second guessing yourself. <laughs> That's like the enemy. Yeah, it's like, let me help you. You drop something. Yeah. <laughs> you see, way too sure you're right. You know. Oh, interesting. You haven't really reserved the right to be wrong, and I always reserve the right to be wrong. You know, and I, I'm always open to be corrected because I like to live in a certain amount of truth. Yeah. You know, as much truth is palatable. You know, and. As much truth as palatable. And, you know, yeah. you know, the truth is ugly. And so, yeah. you know, the natural human being usually dresses up truth in parables clothes to make truth be a little bit more pleasant to deal with. Yeah. You know? And it's certainly a part of my culture. And I know it's a lot of, it's a part of a lot of other people's culture. Mm. And I don't know, it's, it's good to have... It's good to have maybe not so much parables, but it's good to have other examples of things. Yeah. That's one like one reason I like digging into things and it's like, all right, this is what everybody accepts. What is the opposite? Yeah. What is another reasonable reality? How else could we have gotten to this point besides what we accept as true based on what we're given? Yeah. Yeah, I I perceive that in the old in the old heavy air quotes in the old time music community we're um, parable tellers and we like to tell each other stories about what it is that we're doing and why it's important and uh, I you know coming from like a religious background I am kind of the most interested in like what are the what are the books that don't get canonized? You know, what is, what is the mythology that like, they're like, mm, this one's too spicy. This let's leave this out of the official book. And I feel like those are kind of some of the hot takes that I hear you serving up <laughs> around old time music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I like because it, yeah. it's got more flavor. 
Yeah. You know, I'm used to this taste. I've I've had this McDonald's before. Yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Okay, so maybe just uh, I often ask, like, you know, how do you, how did you get into playing old time music? And maybe I want to ask that as well as saying, when I ask that question, what does that mean for you? And uh, what do you hear when you hear me say old time music? And what do you want to? How do you want to respond to that? Oof. Loaded. Yeah. Loaded is yeah. a word that should be underlined and yeah. highlighted for this evening. Um, and that, well, I tell you what, that uh, old time music is a part of our culture. Old time music is, you know, the music my family brought from Louisiana to California. It's the culture they. Celebrated and kind of uh, the biggest part of all time music to me was black folk music because that's what I used to just think of it as. Yeah, I didn't know the word old time. Music. Sure. So when I asked about, I asked my folks what they got the type of music they listened to way back then, and and. You know, my grandma would pull out all these songs like Old Joe Clark and Uncle Bud yeah. and all these things. They call us on ragtime songs or country songs or all this. Yeah. And they'd always rag their country songs. You know, they put a. They really call it Old Joe Clark a rag a ragtime song. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they would they would rag it in like yeah. its performance. Because you know the melody is written out straight or it comes sure. out straight. Same with Turkey and the Straw. You don't. Actually, play it as all eighth notes. They're not all even eighth notes. Every, every one of sure. those songs that are a bunch of eighth notes, you you switch certain notes, you accent, emphasize, sure. and you know that's what in black culture you just call that ragged. Yeah. And so a lot of people just call that ragtime music. As a matter of fact, my buddy John Tavius hit me to an interview of um, I think it was Big Bill Brunsy. And that's what he calls it, you know, he say, you know, he's talking about the music of his parents, which would have been old time music. He said, oh yeah, we play all them old ragtime songs to mama, you know, yeah. this, that, the old Joe Clark and all these things, Turkey in the Straw and all that type of stuff. And, you know, my father was kind of the same way. He used to play, he used to play ragtime piano blues and stuff like that. And you know, talk about that relationship, music, and relationship to his mother, and it's all that same sort of thing, you know. Yeah, you're. I didn't. I was wanting you to expand my definition of old time, but now you're ex- expanding my definition of ragtime music because uh, when I when I've the box that I put rag and ragtime in is um, some sort of like kind of like proto jazz or proto you know or like sort of like popular classical music of a certain era and. I often think about um, I, I often think about the harmony and the like uh, circle of fifths stuff going on as being equally important to the rhythm. And it's interesting to hear you say like, "Oh yeah, they would rag old Joe Clark," you oh, know, yeah. like, and that that counts as like rag time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it makes sense, you know. The name, it's like rag time, not rag harmonic tension and release. You know, yeah, that makes sense. And all this stuff, this is the reason I don't separate these things into different categories because they all seem to be part of a big arc that connects, you know, one sort of flows into the other. You know, I wouldn't call them errors, and I think that's a little bit more closer to what it is. It's all the same music, it just goes through different eras of change. You know, the music, speaking from my culture, one of my cultures and the most predominant of my cultures. Um, you know, the music black people were making before emancipation was what we call now today old time music, a country music. Um, certain things like, it's funny, even in black cultures, songs like Stephen Foster songs are almost, they're kind of used as stand for old time music. 
Yeah. Although there are plenty, you know, music we can draw from that come from black sources and a black origin. But, you know, even in the popular culture, I've seen some of the, the first uh, the first plays and stage depictions of black culture. They always use Stephen Foster material. Right. They're just like, this is the South. This is, you know, this is, yeah. the, this is the plantation scene and stuff like that. Um, yeah. You're adding eras and like temporality into the discussion of genre and it's like maybe the like horizontal difference you know is is maybe less important than uh like through time right yeah and the different eras and yeah the different eras have certain things that kind of get emphasized the earlier I don't know how you call it. The, the music before emancipation was a certain way, and then the real ragtime, what we associate with ragtime, kind of comes along after emancipation in a certain way. Because there was always syncopated music in black culture. You know, um, certain things come from everywhere. Like the blues comes from people, black people from the South, but certain music comes from. You know, syncopation and ragtime and uh, what would we call uh, polyrhythms. Sure, yeah. Polyrhythms are popular all throughout black culture. Yeah. Uh, But the old time music after emancipation, when black folks had access to things like education, which included musical education, black folk music melded with this newfound education and it becomes this thing that leads to like the Scott Joplin S school of ragtime yeah. where advanced harmonies and these different things that come with having access to this yeah. education uh, start to flourish and it starts to affect the pop music but black culture is always affected by pop music yeah and they ju- it's, it's the same people it's the same culture just yeah. goes through different areas the same the folk music turns into ragtime and that turns into more popular like you say forms of jazz and things like that so it's just one big arc that that seems you know it, it, that's why to me it all seems up to a certain point it all seems to be like one thing yeah I kind of you know I kind of get stereotyped and I've said it before that I, mm. I kind of cut it off in the 30s mm. and the 30s changed a lot of stuff a lot of that stuff you know, it goes through a different arc, and that's it. Just so happens that's not my favorite arc. Sure. But even that stuff is still connected. Yeah. To the, you know, obviously in such a way, sometimes they're the same songs, they just have a different feel of a different decade. That feel changes from the 30s to the 40s, and the 50s and the 60s. Each decade has its own sound within that same pop music, and it's sometimes it's just hard to think that like the music of 1960. Is comes from the same people and culture as the music from 1860. Yeah. And in a hundred years, we went from playing Turkey and Straw and Old Susanna yeah. to, you know, influencing how people play their popular music in Brazil. Yeah. You know, so it's just yeah. crazy. You know, yeah. Brazil or any place like that where that, the feel of that music has been spread everywhere, yeah. you know. So I guess if I were to like, kind of sum up what you're saying is when I say like, you know, what, what does it mean when I ask you about, uh, when I ask you about old time music, your answer is to me, that means black music and, uh, and, and the, the, the story of black music, like through time. That, that's a, from my perspective, yes, yeah. that's, that's what I totally thought of it for a long time. Yeah, and now you know sometimes it can mean a bunch of other things on top of that. Sure, know? I appreciated at one point you said my culture, and then you said one of my cultures, right? Which I I think is a, a thing that I don't hear people talk about a lot. It's just like, oh yeah, I'm I have a lot of identities. You know, right. I have a lot of uh, literally a lot of ethnicities. Right, you know? like, right, yeah. Well, there's, you know, we're here in 2022 and different things get involved in different times. Yeah. And right now, your, your most discriminated against culture is the one you're supposed to represent. And you sure. Know, it's like, well, my family is from Louisiana. 
which is a place where all the discriminated people came to get together and make a beautiful brown skin church. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't like you come here. Yeah. <laughs> Join the family. Yeah. And so I can't, I, I can't pick one. I can, you know, there's one, you know, my black culture is always is the one that's the most dominant. Um, and, and I mean that, I mean that in the truest sense, you know, my black culture kind of dominates all my other cultures, you know, my other cultures are kind of viewed through a black lens. Sure. My Native American culture is kind of viewed through a black lens, you know, um, you know, it, it is, it is kind of hard to describe how that is, but it's, you know, you see yourself as one thing, but you see your grandmother as something else. Yeah. Although my grandma saw herself as the same thing I see myself as. Sure. There's this very, very, you know, confusing thing, but yeah. this is, this is reality. I'm not saying I have to understand it. I'm trying yeah. to live in it. I'm excited for for grandma to show up maybe a little more. She, she's been showing up a lot uh, this week and it's been really sweet to hear those those stories and those sayings. Uh, but maybe before we get to more grandma talk, we should play another tune. What do you want to play next? What show? We talked about doing that Altamont. We talked about we doing some well bones. Do yeah, great, let's do that. Yeah, can I play this banjo again? I'm having such a fun time uh, playing your instruments. Um, I love them all the way. They're making me second guess my <laughs> my instrument, <laughs> my steel strings. Uh, <laughs> I am the, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I'm trying to sure, say. Sure. I, I try to be that person. Yeah. In everybody's life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm trying to make you pleasantly uncomfortable. You know, yeah, it's drag, working. Drag you out of that nylon closet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's play another. <laughs> Another, I mean, I'm all, yeah, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> those drunks over there. Those drunks yeah. over there, not like us, no yeah. drunks. <laughs> 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 uh, another thing you've uh, been uh, doggedly challenging me about this week is every time that I say, standard tuning on banjo, you say, excuse me? <laughs> and you correct me, and you say that standard tuning is actually this. 
and that what I call standard tuning is what you call high bass, high bass, high bass. yeah, raised bass, whatever. Raised bass, high bass, yeah. This has clearly in the sheet music. Yeah. Raise your bass string to get the G. <laughs> yeah. What does can we use context clues to tell us what that means? <laughs> that our bass string yeah. is natural. Yeah. I've been I've been I've been resisting, but I've been trying it out. And again, I think you have disrupted some patterns in me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could, could you speak speak on that a little bit? Um, using what you refer to as standard tuning, and when when do you use it? Do you use it for everything? Are there times that you stray from it? Um, what is? Why do you? prefer that as your tuning, including not just for like, you know, ragtime uh, tunes, but other stuff that I've heard you play this week. Uh, well, one is standard tuning. It's, it's kind of where you start. Yeah. Um, the, the alternative tunings come a little later. Um, and they have their place, you know, they're beautiful and they're fun and they give the banjo a lovely sound, but the alternative tunings now kind of get the, the alternative tunings used to be used as specialty numbers to give nice color and texture to a concert or yeah. a piece of music or evening like that. Now the standard tunings are being used more as a crutch, you know, instead of, you know, a detuning being something that's like, oh, this instrument is capable of this. Yeah. It's like, we're no longer going to learn how to play our instruments in D, and we're going to rely on the, uh, you know, the alternative tuning that was meant to be used every once in a while occasionally, yeah. you know. Um, and I do change from certain things. I raise my bass on a few tunes, especially on the banjo over there, the yeah. you know, fretless banjo, because the way it's set up, the D and the G tunes come across best on that instrument. And when you raise the bass, the D tunes fit lovely. So, mm. you know, you want to play a, you know, Arkansas Travel, any of these old tunes that come from that period. Um, from what I've grown to understand, the bass string on that instrument over there being set to G, you know, which is the same right. except uh, fifth lower, mm -hmm. that the bass note set to G there's a certain set of tunes that are associated yeah. through the eras with that tone, then after that tune, and then after 1865 or so, when the bass moves to A, we've got this whole wealth of A tunes, yeah. like old Joe Clark and things like that, that come along in that period. And then around 1885, we get to this modern pitch we have here. Yeah. Uh, and it's all a progression of that. Uh, so it's. Uh, use what feels good. Sometimes raised bass feels good. Not some of the tunes I get requested the most for in raised bass tune. People like the Texas Traveler a lot. Um, that's in the raised bass key. And what's gonna become of me? And all these other fine, fun tunes, um, green corn and things like that. All in that raised bass key. So everything has its place. Yeah. You know? uh, I but get, I but it has a place, and that is. A deviation from the standard, which is, I a hey, my, my middle name is deviated from the standard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I've got a lot of middle names. Right? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can feel, always deviate from the standard. Yeah. You know? But it's good to. It was, and I think one reason I'm a stickler about it, maybe not even a stickler. One of the reasons I'm a little bit more into it is because. You know, you're into the thing that you got the most recently that was the, the latest epiphany you have. And, sure. And I stayed away from this tune for a lot of, a long time. Okay. I said I was going to get there eventually. And, I, you know, it wasn't totally foreign to me. I played a lot of old-time music in that, song, in that key for years. But learning the real hard finger-picking songs is something I never really did in that key. I just use that key, you know. and things like yeah. that. Uh, but to learn the chords in that key was a whole different mentality. Yeah. And that took some doing. Yeah. Oh, that took some doing. But it was worth it. 
I've noticed that when I've tried to find chords in that tuning, I'm able to make a sound that's a lot fuller and I'm able to do these voicings that are kind of more what I hear like, like a cello doing sometimes where it's like these big spread out chords. Whereas if I'm in um, uh, high bass tuning, mm-hmm. um, all my chords are like really clumped together, right. which isn't necessarily a problem in certain contexts. But if I'm like playing a solo piece, like mm-hmm. now you've got, sort of got me thinking like, man, I should get used to that that standard tuning right. uh, so that I can have those like really lush closed position chords that are spread out. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that was the appeal to it because, you know, they, they say Joel Sweeney, uh, Joel Sweeney's contribution to the banjo was adding a fifth string to it. Yes. Not B fifth. String, right. But a fifth string being the bass and having that bass to that instrument you know, really adds a bit to it. It kind of changes the character of, it makes a lot of those solo pieces that you play, the sympathetic sound of the instrument with those bass strings just back there humming, it it adds so much to the music, you know, it's beautiful. It's plum beautiful. Mm. Um, Yeah. I find the biggest thing about that, one of the big things about that, it extends range of your banjo. It makes the banjo instrument that's capable of one, two, three octaves. Yeah. And there are certain tunes you can't play outside of that. You know, some of my favorite songs use that entire range of the banjo. Yeah. You know, that um, phrase to the ragtime Oriole, it's an A flat. So that's a third on the bottom and a third on the top. Yeah. And you know, you got to use your entire instrument tune. critique yeah well i don't even know if it's it's a critique i I think i just want to shine a light yeah something that i don't think people see too much but festival culture and and it's a beautiful culture too i you know i love that people are gathered together around this stuff we're doing it right now we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for festival culture we're at a music festival but festival culture has sort of changed the way we think about old time music and think about our instruments, you know. Um, the effect of rural music cultures and bluegrass culture and festivals and things like that, you know, change what we think of standard tuning is. You know, yeah. Earl Scruggs got y'all in high bass <laughs> and y'all ain't turned back, you know. <laughs> and it's a, uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, mm. but I'll, I do think it's good to note these yeah. things in history. You know, it's a it's a part of the nuance of history that yeah. shouldn't be forgotten. Yeah. Um, and and it's liable to be because we're living in it. You know, it's, uh, so we might have to be the ones to make note of what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was uh, preparing. I was trying to make a tutorial of like a round peak tune. Uh, but like maybe a festivalized version of it. So I was like, li- but I was listening to the original source. Well, one of the original sources, I think it was maybe Jimmy Sutton or something like that. Some D-tune. Um, and I was listening to Tommy Jarrell and Paul Brown play it. And 
I was listening to Paul Brown's banjo playing and I was like, what, what is that? What are you doing there? And then I, I emailed him and I was like, are you playing this D tune in what I've, what I conceive of as, you know, classic C tuning tuned up a whole step. And, and he was like, yeah, that is the way that like round peak players played D tunes. They play what we're doing now, but just up in D that's the only way they play D tunes. Um, and that's basically been complete, completely lost at, you know, at least in festival culture, maybe it's still happening, you know, and I was just like, Oh, interesting. Um, what, what have I been missing out on be, just because these edges have been rounded off, you know? And so, right, right, right. there's a, you know, there was a D banjo. I was talking about the, how the banjo changed in the different areas. Mm. Um, the banjo was this tune fifth lower till uh-huh. 1865. Sure. And then it moved up to A from like 65 to 85 or somewhere around that 75. There was a quick little B flat banjo. Mm. And then there was this C bass banjo. Yeah. And then I think around the turn of the century till about 1910, there was a banjo that came in D. Oh. Yeah. So I wonder what the relation that is to Round Peak. Yeah, they got a hold of some of those, and then that became their standard for D. Right, there's, you know, another nuance of quote-unquote old-time music, especially as it relates to these banjos that we have here, folks in, you know, people in... people in poverty did not have these instruments yeah. when they were made. Yeah. You know, this instrument cost more than they could make a year selling tobacco, uh, you know, the food or the cotton or the whatever. You know, my grandmother made $8 a week in 1955. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the hell with 1920s something. Yeah, or 1910 yeah. or 1890s, she made $8 a week in the 50s. Yeah. You know, and these banjos cost eighty dollars. Yeah, you know, there's no way you're giving up that many years' work to get one of these. So it wasn't until these instruments started ending up in pawn shops yeah. that poor people started affording them. You know, they played homemade and not not these things, and they were much closer in relationship to that. All the pictures you see are much closer to that. You're you're pointing to your uh, fretless stickter banjo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or what early banjo is probably yeah. the best word for it nowadays, you know. Sure. But it's um, it's amazing how playing these instruments kind of put old time music in a certain perspective for me because uh, I think myself, a lot of, along with a lot of other people, kind of thought old time music was this ancient music passed back from way way long ago and it has these ancient origins and it's like you know i used to think that the chicken reel is this beautiful old time you know song from you know at the very earliest the 18 the very latest the 1880s and you know some you know I used to say, oh, some black dude probably in, you know, somewhere in Alabama or Mississippi or Virginia or Kentucky probably had this great song. It's like, no, that song was written in Boston in 1907. You know, the Maple Leaf Rag was eight years old when that song came. Yeah. It's say Under the Double Eagle and, you know, Home Sweet Home, all these songs that have composers, Haul the Woodpile Down, all these just lovely pieces of music. They're, they're not as old as we think they are. Yeah. And especially the sound that we get from playing them on this instrument, you know, this sound. Never sound it, it, you play that same technique on that instrument over there, but that sound on this instrument didn't happen until after the classic era started to fade. These instruments ended up in pawn shops. And we could think that to, you know, 1917, 1918. So it's like, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's where this old time badger sound comes from. It's, maybe it's not, it ain't that ancient, yeah. it turns out. 
doesn't take anything away from it. Its roots are deep in, you know, American culture, but what musical roots we play over here aren't, you yeah. know. And I don't think it takes anything away from it by noting that it, it just allows you to appreciate it and get comfortable with the facts of it. Yeah, I appreciate that that you're uh you're not trying to diminish diminish or even demystify like why the music is valuable. You're just saying like let's not like create this mythos around the banjo around uh what we deem as old time music and you know like it doesn't need that it's already interest the truth is interesting enough you, you know i don't know if you got it but you know my a big part of my character is i'm an enemy of conflation mm. you know i don't like to have things conflated um, conflation is you know, conflation is popular in our modern culture nowadays. And one of the things conflation does is it makes people who would agree with you resist you because yeah. they think you're trying to get over on them because sure. you're mixing the truth with a little bit of lie or uh, you you're leading me. That's what you're doing. I don't want to be led. I want you to lay it out and let me. Yeah see for myself you know um and i i feel like doing that with the music too i'd i'd rather us live in truth yeah. about what this is sometimes the truth is pleasant sometimes entertaining sometimes it's ugly but yeah i don't want to be don't live want to live in a world of illusion yeah. surrounding something i really care about you know uh and i don't want to talk so boldly about some something I really care about, and then have it turns out that oh, I just been putting my foot in my mouth my whole <laughs> life, and you that could be bad. People don't people have a hard time admitting they're wrong, and if you dedicate your life to something yeah. that's conflated and full of shit, you'll get a <laughs> yeah, you gotta <laughs> double down. Yeah, you'll double yeah. down, and it's gross. Yeah, you know, I always reserve the right to be wrong at any point. Yeah. just let me know. Let me, I'd be happy to correct myself. Just let mm. me know what's incorrect. Well, before, because um, we we're going to maybe have you play some other instruments today, but before you put this one away, would you share a piece that I couldn't possibly uh, play with you? It's 1.20 in the morning at a music festival, yeah. and I am the least sober, excuse me, I'm not very sober right now, yeah. but we can try. Okay, great. <laughs> Feel free to change your mind, but yeah. yeah. We'll see if I crash and burn. Okay. What would be a good tune? Um...
<laughs> so good. Some fucking clams in there, Flashbacks to like, uh, like, you know, classical piano training and like get like, just like how demanding those pieces <laughs> are. And it's like these like super fragile moments. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. There, there are certain, there are certain moments where it's just like, yeah. you're fully exposed <laughs> and just like, man, I, I used to kind of hint at this, but the more I play this, uh, it sounds like I'm old and watched too many westerns growing up but you know I start talking to myself like a soldier you know it's like hold the line stay in the buggy a fixed bandage charge watch out watch your flank watch your flank that's right we're fucked we're fucked every man of us out it's over it's over boy stay behind we're done you know it's like it, it, it's the gambit, y'all. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we win, sometimes we all die. You know, <laughs> certain music, you know. Sometimes I go in there and say, all right, boys, no quarter ass, no quarter given. We're either going to succeed or we're going out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's that. one of those two. It's like, oh, oh I died. I'm dying. <laughs> I'm lost too much yeah. blood already. High stakes music. You know, for real. Yeah. You throw one of those and then <laughs> you play Beethoven, you get into it like this. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm, I'm tired of dying. <laughs> oh, morphine will take you away from you. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. We have time for a couple more. Mm. We were having a jam yesterday in the kitchen mm-hmm. while the tacos were being prepared. Ooh, that was a great jam. And it was, yeah, man. Yeah. But uh, if, we, if we could make a new moment or relive some of that or somewhere in between, uh, there was a moment where I was playing a tune and you pulled out the bones. And that's some of the best bone bones playing I've ever heard. Such a treat. I've never heard it played like that before. It would be great if we could do that again. Okay, yeah. What's a good tune? Uh, good hot reel or something like that. Good hot reel. Good hot reel on the Yeah. Maybe I'll maybe I'll oh, don't do that. You want me to hold on to you okay. My yeah. should just throw one at you. Throw one at me. Okay. Great. It will work or it won't. That's exactly what yeah. I was thinking of. Thank you. 
Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They were they were they were very careful about it. But right. I could see it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My, my folks were like were, were the most encouraging. My mother was always encouraging me playing music. But when she when I got my first set of bows and I was in the car ride home, just going <laughs> after the first five minutes I got that it's going to be a problem yeah. you know and you know and it was it was something it was something nearly biblical you know six days he sucked <laughs> and on the seventh yeah. he was tolerable yeah. you know it, it that's was, just all you did that week that's all I did play that bones. week yeah. all I did was play the bones and mm. yeah yeah uh Six days of practice on the seventh day, I got it and haven't got any better since. <laughs> A whole lifetime, so I don't know oh exactly what to say. <laughs> so good. And, and yeah, that was one of those just friendly instruments lying around, harmonica or something like that. I don't ever remember when I started. It seemed like that was always an instrument around. You know, you could get those from, you know, liquor store or yeah. pharmacy and things like that. So I remember my first little toy. I don't remember it, but I remember getting little toy harmonicas and making terrible noise with them, but then like, oh, I can play old Susanna. I can play when the saints go marching in. And, yeah. uh, it's just, you know, getting better from there. Yeah. It's fun stuff. Well, we have time for one more tune, but before we do that, this is the time of the show where I typically asks my ask my guests to tell the listening audience where they should go to buy your music or find out when you're playing near them or hire you to come play their festival or come play uh, their to give a, a general answer the yes. internet is a good place to go yeah. um actually i'm gonna do a better job with updating my facebook page about that's usually the place i really post gig dates and where I'm going to be and tours and things like that. Um, getting music online, boy, there's... Yeah. The only music I keep online really is the free music, you know? Mm. Go on YouTube and just watch some free music, why don't you? For okay. a minute. <laughs> but um, um, pretty soon there'll be a place where you can get records and things like yeah. that. Just keep your okay. ear out. Um at some point on Facebook, I'll announce when I have a website, and yeah. I'm sure that will be uh, that will be pretty good to get everybody yeah. what they need, yeah. well, including records and albums and T-shirts and merch and buttons and. I want drum packs and T-shirts. Absolutely. I I have thought about starting some t-shirts with some terrible things I say written across I, it. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I make something special for you. Yeah, you, you we've said some things this week. You yeah. get the DeWitt special. Excuse <laughs> 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 
It is like, I don't know, two, maybe even three in the morning. Uh, you're, you're an old lady. Um, is, is it not? Is it earlier? It is 1.34. 1.30? Okay. All that is to say, we've had a long day, we've been drinking, and you still agreed to like come do this right. in front of a microphone. And I just want to say I'm really grateful for that. I've had you. such a lovely... Lovely time to talk with you. Likewise. It was a good time. It's been good all week. I'm sad you have to leave tomorrow. Yeah, me too. Next time, say a week. Okay. Or come come back to Blues Week. Okay. Maybe I will. Don't see why you shouldn't. So for for the last tune, we talked about maybe playing a mazurka. Sounds good. Playing some fiddle, which would be lovely. Let's do it. We played this the other day. I don't know if I'll still remember it, but I'll do my best. It won't be bad. I don't care what we do, it won't be bad. I feel the same way. Yes. Two counts. One, two, three, two, two, three. One, two, three. At the time of recording this outro, there's no specific place for me to send you other than Jerron Paxton's Facebook artist page, which I linked in the show notes. I'll update the show notes with more links as I get them. But like Jerron said, you can find a lot of his stuff online. There's a wealth of his playing and speaking a mere YouTube search away. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. Make sure to like and follow my old-time trio, Tall Poppy String Band, on social media for tour dates and announcements. Check the link in the show notes for Get Up in the Cool merch and rep your favorite old-time podcast at the next Fiddler's Convention. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional Clawhammer banjo series or to schedule a lesson with me. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set, available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And again, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool. <laughs>